everyone. Welcome back to Actors with Issues with me, your host, Juan Ayala. This week, we sat down with Freddie Gerlando, a New York-born, New Jersey-raised, and Los Angeles-based actor and producer. Freddie and I actually met back in 2017 when I attended the HBO Latino Film Festival in New York, where a select group of pilots were being screened, including Adulthood, a hilarious and charming new comedy series that Freddie co-produced and starred in. Now in 2020, Freddie and his producing partners Rob Alisea and Leaving Normal Productions are developing the first season of the show, ready to hit screens in the near future. Freddie and I chat about his love of theater from a young age, how becoming a father at 19 helped shape him as both a person and an actor, and the now online artist community that he and Rob have built, The Creatives Mixer. Now, please enjoy this conversation with Freddie Girlando. I was just looking over the the new guidelines that SAG-AFTRA put up. Yeah. Um, How's it look? It's, dude, it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. Like, uh, I've just been really doing my research lately. And one of the, there was an article with showrunners and writers and uh, studio executives. Yeah. And they're all sort of, you know, chiming in, giving their two cents on their situation, what their shows are going to look like in the future. And, you know, they're getting, writers are getting requests from the higher ups, like cut down on background actors, cut action scenes, cut romance scenes, not romance, but, you know, love scenes because they're, they're too close quarters and it's risky. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, there was there are shows that like I was just talking with Ed um, about Pose. And that show yeah. has these very big, crowded ballroom scenes where they're doing their the you know the voguing and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and how are you gonna safely fill a room with two hundred extras and a crew? <sighs> yep. And you know they, I think they had just started or were about to start production for season three when everything happened. I think they usually film in like the early spring, so. You know, that's something that I, I would like to touch on when when you ask um what wow, what was the question? What would you like to see more of in the industry? Yeah. I think I, what I would like to, to touch upon with that going into kind of relating it to COVID. Mm-hmm. Um what we just talked about is now with, with uh productions uh, studios um, from the higher ups might not want to spend a lot of money, and also because they they might have lost money, and also due to COVID and restrictions, cutting out you know like you said action sequences and larger crowds. Maybe now we'll get back to uh, more intimate, powerful stories. Yeah, that that may not had. Um, a, ch- a chance before this or a possible investment before this. It opens up the platform. It opens up the floor for a lot of these stories, mm-hmm. you know, that a little bit more lower, lower budget that may not have a commercial uh, appeal and all that, but has a just great, great heart and story. Ed is Ed Martin. <laughs> he's um, my mentor, a good friend of Freddie's. Um, he's been involved in the journalism side of entertainment for decades um and has a lot of insight on that and he and i were just talking on the phone before this and you know he was saying it's going to be hard for networks and for consumers because you know so much of what we watch now is action and sex it's like usually one of the two yeah um and 
because of that, like you said, a lot of these like smaller set, intimate, story-based, character-driven shows are not getting their time in the spotlight. And in films are not unless it's during like, you know, award season. Correct. But other than that, in the summertime, it's all and I love the comic book movies. I do. Um I, I'm obsessed with them. But as an actor, it's like you want to watch good performances, solid performances, and not just like 15 camera angles. This fight scene took a week to shoot. It's like, wow, you guys could have done a whole, you know, <laughs> if it was a, a two-person character-driven drama, you could have shot the whole thing in a week. Um, but, you know, there's just a lot. It's it's going to, the landscape is going to change. Um, 100%. Sort of back to what it was. Um, I agree with you. With acting. I yeah. I agree with At you. the I forefront. Mean, yeah, it, it's 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 kind of you know, and and like I said, I think it's uh, it, it I think it's good. I think it's needed. I think um, right now with everything going on, um, you got social injustice, you got systemic racism that we're standing up against, and for there to be like like I like we talked about the floor open to powerful stories um, mm. with, uh, you know, powerful stories, small character-driven stories, um, good stories. I think that that would uh, really just – really just help everybody out, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you, got, you, you got this opportunity now with everything shifting back to touch on really important, powerful topics, um, shed light on them that will help everybody educate themselves and heal Mm -hmm. without all these special effects, which, which they're, they're all good, you know, don't get me wrong. But I think for, I think right now, you know, for too long, we've been, we, um, it's just been special effects uh, big budget films, um, unless, like you said, like I agree with you, unless it's award season, and you know they're gonna make some film or movie and invest in a, a project that might snag an award. But if this was all year round, I think uh, it, it'd be something that'd be beautiful to see. And I think, like, like uh, we just talked about, I think that's where it's where it's headed back. I think that's where the industry's going back to. It, it's a very interesting time to to be an actor because if you're someone who didn't you know who wants to do these projects of substance they're not common or if they are common but you're not going to make any money off of it and you know yes we want to act and expand on our craft but we also want to be able to pay the bills doing Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. um and a lot of what is on tv and in theaters and on streaming is um blockbuster it's like everything wants to not just be profitable but like this massive juggernaut like a game changer but it's like not everything has to be a game changer no nope feel, what I love feel that- good tv is fine you know like <laughs> yeah i mean look at look at what i loved about i think the last i think the 90s i think the 90s were it was like the last the last of the dying breed with like just good middle budgeted films um that had it was just like there there's a certain quality about them a certain s's about them it, it, they would they would they would make 
you know, just these these great stories mm-hmm. that weren't super marketable or or big budget or anything like that, but they would still drive in an audience, mm-hmm. and it would still hit, and it would still hit people, and it'd be compelling, you know. Yeah. Um, and careers were made with those projects, like you know, yeah, young yeah. actor. If it was like a high school comedy or a college, you know romantic comedy or something a lot of young actors were able to get their foot in the door meanwhile everyone wants to be a superhero uh, (laughs) or you know be the lead in the latest political thriller and there's not a lot of room for young actors until they're like in their 30s yeah where they can realistically portray you know a lawyer or fbi or something like that you know Mm -hmm. um as much as yeah. we love platforms and channels like the CW and Freeform, there's not room for everyone on those either, you know? No, yeah, there's certain, you know, certain looks and types and, mm-hmm. and actors you have to cast that are a part of their brand or look, which is, right. listen, it's not, it's all good. It's, it's a business. Yeah. It's, a bi- it's a business. It's all good. And, and everyone has their shows and everyone likes different things, so... These different networks are gonna, you know, cater to different audiences, which mm-hmm. is that, that's that's how the business is. Yeah. So it's 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 all goody. I mean, like I said, I'm I'm just excited to see where the industry is moving, how it's shifting, where it's heading, because it is going to be different. Yeah, that's, I think it's going to be a much needed sort of like little return to earth. <laughs> Yeah. Um, with some things. I mean, the thing is, I also this landscape is changing between film and television because with film, one, they can't shoot their movies, but they can't even show their movies anywhere either. If there are these massive blockbuster budgets, they want to still be able to make some kind of money. So selling their movie to Netflix is not going to recoup their investment. It's like, you know, one of my co-stars from Blindspot, um, Aaron Abrams, great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote a movie that starred Issa Rae and Kumail Nanjiani called The Lovebirds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to come out in theaters by this time, I think like mid-April. Yeah. And because of COVID and all the theaters closing, they were fortunate enough that Netflix bought the movie. Yeah. yeah. So they bought the rights for people to watch it on Netflix. Um, but, you know, Black Widow couldn't do the same thing because you know how much money that Netflix would have to pay for that movie. And Netflix is like, ah, we're good. Like that's a lot. Yep. So they just postponed their release date. Same with Mulan with a quiet place Two. all these big budget movies. Like they can't afford to take the hit of just selling their rights for way under budget. Yeah. You know? So it's like certain movies had to be just pushed back to later because they, it would be cheaper for them to wait. Meanwhile, smaller movies that may not have gotten seen by many people in theaters just because people don't really, you know, people are because going to the movies is so expensive now, too. Yeah. People are pickier with what they're going to see. Um, but, you know, Netflix is this uh, subscriber base of tens of millions of people. So now they're watching this movie with two big comedy stars because they already paid for their subscription instead of going to pay the ticket price just to see the one movie. Yeah. So I think yeah. that it's, um, in a way, this sort of helped the smaller studio or independent films that may not have gotten 
eyes on their project, they're getting a chance to be in front of a lot of people now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you get, like, like we just talked about, some of the smaller movies may not have, uh, they, they couldn't have been able to push the, the release date back to recoup the funds. So I see a, a lot of stuff that just went video on demand, renting for full price. Um, but I mean, it's, it's kind of, and, and listen, this is COVID and the pandemic was something that was unforeseen. Mm-hmm. And, um, once in our lifetime, you know, so that's, that's, that's like risk. I mean, move, well, here's the thing. The world has shifted. The industry shifted because now moving forward, everyone, everyone's conversations are going to be different because now it's going to be like, you're going to, you're going to, there's a question. There's going to be a question on the hypothetical questionnaire or in the room or conversations when people are talking with, um, so what if another pandemic hits? Is this pandemic proof? Are we going to yeah. hold off on their release? Are we going to release it then? Like what's the, so there's even the game shifting with that, with like marketing and how they're going to recruit money, mm-hmm. you know, um, if a pandemic would hit, and they're scheduled to release theatrically, there's going to be some backup plans. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, the, like, like we said, like the game has shifted. Um, so it's, it's uh, an, an interesting time. It's, it, it's, it's yeah. going to be, it's, it's going to be uh, interesting to see where, where everything goes. It's- the guidelines that were released recently, it was saying, you know, Basically, they're zoning off sets to be like zone A, zone B, zone Z. For zone A, you got to get tested three times a week, minimum. Yeah, yeah. Which means they're scraping your brain for <laughs> yeah, saying how they have to test. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's um, you have to get tested and cleared before you even step foot on set. So if you're cast and you happen to get a positive or a false positive, they can't, you know, they can't let you on. They got to recast. You lose the job. That's got, yeah, that's got to be a hit too, man. Yeah. But, but better everyone's safe than sorry. Of course. And, and you know what? I think, well, you have to look at it like this. These guidelines just got released now. So hypothetically, I mean, I'm sure these conversations are being had, but how many productions are, are full steam ahead right now saying, let's get right back into it. I'm sure like there's going to be productions, um, studios and conversations that are going on now saying, well, let's give it some time because they might let who's going to jump first. Let's see if they, they pull back the guidelines and restrictions. Let's see how, how every, how, how the world goes, you know, moves into this being on set again, slowly, but surely. Um, because I, I know a few people that, uh, was that that was crew on Maisel and listen i mean this is let, let's just say it's all hearsay i don't want to put out like right, false, of course yeah, yeah you know false stuff so uh you know you hear i hear some things where show you know shows might not go back till august september but then i hear things where um shows are gonna wait and ride it out to the end of the year and then studios yeah. might not green green lit uh green light until the new year to where everything yeah. plays out. So it's like, you know, right now it's, it's kind of, you know, we're going to put out, 
I feel like they're putting out the guidelines to keep everyone safe, which is necessary for sure. Yeah. And um, that's why we have the union. That's why we have the union. That's we what can't, it's about. We can't set our own guidelines. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's just crazy because, um, you know, the CW announced that their regular shows that are normally premiering in the fall, they just announced maybe last month, mid-May, they said our regular, our fall lineup will be starting to air in 2021. Hmm. They just made that call because they know they're not. So, you know, during this time of year, there's not that much filming. All the episodics wrapped up in, you know, April, early May. Yeah. Like the latest. Yeah. Um, so they usually don't resume filming for their fall episodes until late July or August. So they're at least in like the planning stage, they're writing and whatnot, and they can do all that remotely, virtual writers' rooms. You've, you know, I've seen on Twitter all over the place. Yeah. You know, showrunners are tweeting pictures of their screens with their 10 writers in a Zoom mm-hmm. conference or something. Um, but what's really up in the air is with filmed. If they had a release date originally scheduled for next summer, like, you know, Spider-Man 3 um, was supposed to film this summer for a release for next summer. Yep. And they already had to push. They said we're releasing next next winter. So like next, I think, November or December. Yeah. Just as a precaution, because they're like, we know we're not going to be able to do these, you know, you know, it's an it's an action movie and there's lots of people involved. So it's like like we were saying before, you know, there's a lot. It's just so much up in the air and millions, if not tens or hundreds of millions on the line. (laughs) They would rather just sit back and wait then start production someone gets sick and then you got to stop and wait it all out all over again yeah and it also depends on the stars of these shows and movies are they comfortable going back to work you know are the leads of law and order gonna be like uh no i don't want to go back to our crowded precinct set and on the streets of new york filming all of these scenes there's no way you know it's just it it also there's so many people that have to give the okay you know the studio and and whoever can give the okay but if the star of your show is like no <laughs> what are you yeah. gonna do you know they I, got kids they gotta go home to every day you think they're gonna want to spread that to their children or their family members you know let's get into freddie girlando as an actor uh so you are a jersey boy you're usually out in la but like me you're back home <laughs> yes i am uh yep so um so, yeah, you mentioned to me that, you know, your dad um, did go to acting school when he was younger. Um, and was that something that you, because of that, you wanted to get into it as well? Or was it just a passion that you developed early on? Um, or was he particularly encouraging because because uh, he was also very much into it when he was younger? He He went, yeah. So he went when he was younger. I didn't know that he went. Really? To, yeah, I didn't know he, he went to HB Studio. That's where that's the classes he took. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he went to HB Studio, which I eventually studied at when I started until I was until I started acting, um, going at it as as a career. Yeah. Growing up, I I didn't know that I wanted to be, be an actor. I didn't know I was going to get into it, to be honest. But what I did enjoy was performing. Um, whether it's kind of being a class clown in school or actually doing plays and talent shows in elementary school. Um, I did a few plays. I was a part of a couple of talent shows in elementary school. Mm. Uh, I remember I did Guys and Dolls in sixth grade. Yeah. 
and I had like one line um, <laughs> and that and that was great and it was fun and that was you know that it, it was it's it, believe it or not now that I'm talking about it th- even this comes up you know rehashing what it was like because I'm a big theater lover I love the theater I mm. started in New York when I started taking classes the first thing I got into was not just doing student films but getting into the theater doing some off 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 to the left <laughs> off Broadway type stuff yeah. you know and like basement sellers or whatever you know you know what I mean um but but now looking back at it like sixth grade uh I did Guys and Dolls eighth grade at Alice in Wonderland and I was the lead I was like the bunny rabbit but at that time after school you'd go to the you know you you go to that drama you go to the drama program you you you'd rehearse and that was like my first um uh kind of introduction into what it was to get into the rehearsal process and prep and you know just kind of talking about looking back and I'm like wow it's 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 kind of the theater started a a little bit more uh in in the past than I thought because when when I got into it I started doing theater in New York that was my my first foray into theater but you know, I know it sounds silly too, but really thinking about it, I was just going after school because I, I, I enjoyed, um, my friends were there. I had a few friends that did the plays with me and it was just more of a, an extracurricular activity than that. And, and, and me enjoying to perform than it was, I'm going to be an actor. I love acting mm-hmm. at that moment in middle school. Um, and then once I got out of middle school, high school, uh, I, I, I didn't do any plays. Um, I played basketball uh and, and kind of was more into sports throughout high school mm-hmm. even though, even though I didn't play high school I, I would play like my, with my friends afterwards and geared more towards um sports and it wasn't until senior year in high school that my art teacher Miss Burns may she rest in peace mm-hmm. um she came to me senior year cuz she was the art teacher and then she was the theater director also so she she ran the art program and then she ran the theater program with all the plays and she would cast everyone. And it was the last play of senior year. Mm-hmm. And she knew I, I was, you know, a class clown. And I was always just like loud and looking for intention and all that stuff. And she was like, you know, Freddie, we're doing Bye Bye Birdie. You should come try for Conrad. And I had no idea what Bye Bye Birdie was. Mm-hmm. I, I had no idea who Conrad Birdie was. And she was just like, yeah, he's kind of like, um, he's kind of like this, because kind of uh, this singer where he's like the Elvis of the town and he, he comes in and he's popular. Uh, and I think you'd be good for it because I was just kind of a ham and egger as it was just like being the class clown and, and you know looking for that attention and all that stuff and she was like you should come try it and i was just like you know what uh something just like kind of just spoke to me and i wanted to have some fun and then i hadn't done a play in high school and i and i remember how fun it was in middle school and elementary and i was just like you know what maybe it's time to just go and go go for it and i remember going to the audition i sang happy birthday uh because Mm. i because she was like all right, sing me a song. Like, and I was like, uh, Miss Burns, honestly, I don't have any <laughs> songs. Like, I didn't prep anything. I, I, I prepped nothing because it was my first time actually really auditioning. And she was like, all right, well, just sing me like Happy Birthday or something. 
And then I, and then I remember her saying, well, you said this guy was kind of like the, 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 uh, the, 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 uh, star celebrity in, in, in the uh, play. And when he comes to town, he's kind of like the Elvis almost, or he's kind of like that icon. So how about if I do like an Elvis impersonation and sing happy birthday? And she was like, sure, go for it. And I did it. And I think it was like pretty terrible, but she's seen that I had, I, I feel like the ability to just get up there, perform, um, just kind of fearlessly and do the thing and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And then she just gave me the role. And I remember that play, we did, um, we did a ton of performances. And I remember getting back into the rehearsal process, then getting back on stage and performing for people. Bye Bye Birdie senior year gave me the knowing and confidence roughly three, four years later, um, giving me the confidence and the knowing that, okay, maybe I could, I enjoy acting. I enjoy, I enjoy performing. Maybe I could give this a shot and make it a career out of it mm. instead of doing something that I, that I didn't want to do or, you know, wasn't happy doing. I started working with my father at the time. He owned a trucking company, so I would work. And his thing was he would deliver wine refrigerators all up and down the East Coast. Mm. Um, and so I, I remember for – I had my son at 19, and for the next two years, I would work with my father on the truck. And it was, it was definitely another period of my life, um, tr- sh- transitional period, not only for going – to being a young father and, and taking the responsibility and learning how to be, a, you know, just, just a dad at 19. Um, but for those next two years, as my son was growing up, I was, I, I just got hit with a lot of pressure. Um, anxiety hit, depression hit. And I remember at 21 going or going into being 21 after a couple of years, the first two years of my son being born, and kind of question, like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, I can't just be on the truck. I'm not happy here. Um, and I realized I a, a lot of the decisions I made at that time was because I thought I had to make them because I, I had a kid and people were telling me, like, all around me, like, you got to go to work. You got to make money. You got to do this. But I, I was never being told, make sure you're doing what you love to do. Mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, if you're miserable, and this is, this, is, this is me saying it, at the end of the day, if you're miserable, then everything that you're making, yes, it is for family, but what good is it if you're coming home and you're not? And this can be kind of selfish also, because it's kind of like, well, you got to do what you got to do. But also for me, I knew that I didn't want to come home doing something that I hated to do. And as my son got older, if I was to give him advice, do whatever you want to do in your life, son. Follow your dreams and be happy. If I wasn't that, if I wasn't happy, you know, coming home um, uh, and doing something that I didn't love what I was doing. And it was affecting my health. I, like I said, I, 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 dealt with, I, I dealt with anxiety um, to where I was bedridden for like a, like a month uh, when I was younger. I went to the hospital for high anxiety um, during that time. And it was a really, I, I, I can't, it was a really um, enlightening moment because I, I quite, I just had this question. I was like, all right, well, what, what do you want to do, Fred? How are you going to deal with this? And at the time I was like, you know what? I want to get into acting. I enjoyed it 
as a kid. I enjoyed it growing up. Let me let me go really give this a shot. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I, I got into um, I got into HB Studio. I started learning the craft. At the time, I was actually managing the anxiety and and whatnot because I was doing something that I was getting fulfilled, and I felt like it was speaking to my spirit at the time. And I was getting fulfilled performing, and I started reading and educating myself on not only how to be a better actor, but how to deal with myself and my anxiety and, and become a better human and more um, educated person and knowledge of self. That would help me manage my anxiety to deal with performing in class. Because I realized that my anxiety would obviously seep into my performances in, in class. Throughout this whole process, it was just a big enlightening moment. It was very therapeutic acting. And it went from me deciding to be an actor because it was something that I, that I thought I would, um, that I knew I would enjoy doing to this is kind of like my therapy. This mm-hmm. was kind of something that was bigger um, than myself. It, yes, it would help myself, but also it was therapy for other people. I see how it would affect people doing theater. Um, and I know I'm, I'm going a little long-winded, but I, I just want to kind of give you my timeline. Um, <laughs> and, fe- and feel free to butt in whenever. Uh, but, you know, doing, doing the theater, uh, first being at HB Studio, educating myself, and then getting into doing theater and doing student films that pad the resume and getting in front of people, I realized, wow, this, this has not only an, uh, this craft, not only has made me a better person and, and understand myself and be therapeutic, but, it, but the stories and the characters that I can uh, consume and portray, it, it, it services others mm-hmm. and it helps them, puts a mirror to them themselves. Because um, I, I would see the effects doing theater. People would come up to me and be like, yeah, I, I totally relate to this because this happened in my life or I have my cousin or man, I gotta be a little bit more empathetic to 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 my niece, um, or you know, or, or whatever. So I seen the effect it would have on others, and I was like, this is way bigger than myself. I'm on the the acting subreddit a lot, and a lot of young actors will post, and I'll try and give my advice or give them feedback on stuff. There's a couple other, you know, professional actors in in the as like moderators that will do the same thing, and a lot of people are like. My family says X, Y, and Z, and I always write, like, I don't know. You wouldn't ask, and this is obviously nothing against overweight people. I used to be very overweight, but I would never ask an overweight person for their dieting advice. So why would you ask an inexperienced industry person about if if you could make it as an actor? They have no insight to give other than... Uh, you know, sh- shutting you down and, and, and negativity. And it's like, why you wouldn't, I don't know. It's just like one of those things like, you know, take your family's feedback into account, especially if they're the ones paying for your college education. That's really where I sort of 
tell kids to slow down. I'm like, if your parents are paying for your college, I think they deserve a say in what for you sure. major in. Um, but otherwise, you know, I don't know. It, it, there's, it's an industry where you get very little support other than from people in the industry themselves. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard an actor tell a young actor like, oh, don't do this. It's terrible. It's like, well, why are you still doing it? You know? Yeah. And you know what it is? I think, you know, honestly, like, cause I had not just friends, I had family that was, that were naysayers mm-hmm. saying, Hey, you can't do this. And, and as I just, honestly, as I look back at it and I, and I say that for anyone listening that has those naysayers, um, in their, in their life, you know, they're there for a reason. And it just comes down to you believing in yourself, you doing what you want to do because you believe in it. And that, and, and sometimes you have to be the person that gets it done to make, to shift their perception and paradigm, Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, they may not have seen anyone do it. And sometimes for people, it isn't just, um, believing is seeing, I feel like that's our job. Our job as artists is believing and having the belief in ourselves going forth that what we feel is right and what we want to do and make others believe in it because for others, seeing is the believing and when they see someone do it then they got then they then their perception shifts like oh shit this is possible i know someone that could do it now i could tell my friend or i could tell my kid that no you can do this because this person did it and not and i've seen it and that just that just comes with you know um that's nothing against anybody but some people just haven't been able to see it happen for them to believe that it can happen and some people just need that so it's not like they're bad people or anything like that it's just that you sometimes you just got to be that that um person that does it to just make it make it make it happen and make it make it into existence for their um and and their lives which is totally fine which is totally cool if anything Um, be the person that you know use that as motivation and drive to prove them wrong not to be spiteful or or petty because you know sometimes people set out to prove someone wrong just to like i'll show them but it's like do it you're still using that to fulfill your dreams and make your dreams into a reality and there's that fine line where a dream can go to reality or you make it a fantasy where you make it this so impossible thing that that's when people that to me that's when uh, a lot of actors end up giving up is when they um they put it on such a high pedestal that it's now out of reach yeah and you have to while you do have to keep yourself grounded and you do have to make that something you want to strive for you also have to make it achievable like don't put yourself in a circumstance where it's going to be impossible like you're not going to become a famous actor by living in Missouri for your entire life no. You know, like you have to no. play it smart, move to the right market. That's for you. And that's something that actually that came across in Reddit a lot. Um, people were saying like, you know, I go to NYU Tisch, you know, in, in the city. Should I move to L.A.? I want to do film and TV. Should I move to L.A.? And I'm like, whoa, slow your roll. There's a lot of film and TV in New York. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unless you're like a model-esque person, then L.A. is more your market. Yeah. But if you're someone ethnic, if you're a person of color, New York and Atlanta is where it's at for you to start, at least. You know, you can be on shows like Law & Order that is like 
gritty New York shows. But it's, you know, it's all about knowing your market. And that's a big thing that I think um, young actors don't really know. They just think, I got to go to Hollywood if I want to do TV and movies. It's like, well, there's not that much going on. And there is a lot going on in LA. It's more film, in my opinion. And there's some TV, but like Vancouver is blowing up a lot. Chicago has a lot. Atlanta, you know, the industry has really spread out. It's not just like New York is all theater. Hollywood is all TV and film. It's it's very much spread out now that people can, you know, have multiple options to choose from. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's it's all over to be honest, mm-hmm. and and I think it's just having a good uh, a good idea or a plan or a game plan. You yeah. know, having having a good um, idea of where you want to be or how you see yourself, or you know, ha- have a good understanding of the game. And some people, well, obviously starting out, you just got to kind of you know, ask around or, or research or, or educate. Cause there's right now, there's so many, um, things, you know, YouTube, um, taking workshops, building, building a community around yourself, getting involved with the community, uh, of creatives, of people that, you know, a little bit older than you, or just even more experienced than mm-hmm. you and just surround yourself with like-minded individuals. I think that's super key, um, f- to educate yourself, to get better, to help others, I think that's uh it's it's major, and I, I would say uh, to kind of circle back just a little bit to kind of put a put a pin on this mm. is or round this out is uh, don't put anybody's expectations on yourself. Don't don't mm. you know like when we talk about putting it on a pedestal, be re- be realistic. You know, don't put anybody's expectations or don't do it for anybody but yourself. Do what you got to do. Do what you, what you can do, what you're in control of. Set realistic goals and execute and do it for yourself. And, you know, obviously you're doing it for others. I mean, what you're doing can be for others, but don't do it, you know, because others say you have to do it this way or that way. So, you know, just be... Um, be confident in where you're going, and and in your game plan and what you want to exceed, and and obviously help others and those around you. Mm. Um, but don't put anybody's expectations on yourself. Right. You know, you set the standards. You you create the story. Yeah. And, and go forth with that. Yeah. Be, you know? Very much be the you know not to sound cheesy, but be the author of your own story. Yeah, that's the truth. Yeah. Um, you know, truth. something that really stuck with me. So um, Freddie and um, his producing partner, I guess we should call, and, you know, his, his good friend, uh, Rob Alisea, um, have started a, um, an online community um, through the Creatives Mixer. Um, you guys started that in L.A. in person, right? You guys used to meet at somewhere like every week? Yes. A, a little history on the Creatives Mixer mm-hmm. about a year and a half ago. <clears throat> I started a weekly mixer, a weekly gathering at a lounge called Break Room 86 out in Los Angeles. Uh, it's in Koreatown. And it was a space where I would have, you know, my actor friends, musician friends, anybody that's creative uh, come together once a week consistently on Thursday nights. And it's been consistent for the past year and a half every Thursday uh, at the lounge up until COVID hit and the pandemic hit. And then once the pandemic hit, I bought, uh, I 
I pretty much um, brought the creatives mixer online mm-hmm. to where every Thursday since COVID hit, I bring on an industry guest every Thursday night where they come on and they share their story and they talk about their experience. And the, the attendees are usually, you know, um, you know, actors, producers, writers, people getting into the business, people that have been in the business, just, just community, mm-hmm. you know, people there for one another. I mean, you were a guest, um, you were an attendee, uh, on, on a few of them so mm-hmm. far, you've, you've been a regular and just like, you know, a pal of the community and that, and that's what it is. It really, I started it because the lounge a year and a half ago wanted me to promote, but honestly, I, for me, if I'm going to do something, I gotta, I gotta, be be kind of down for it and it's got it's got to fulfill me in in a certain way it's got to speak to me it's it's tough for me doing something just for the money if i'm just not gonna if it's not gonna fulfill my my spirit so i've always kind of enjoyed i love people just in general and i've always enjoyed bringing people together and connecting people and seeing people just kind of build a relationship with one another and just kind of be the conduit of that mm-hmm. So when they asked me to do it, I was like, well, if you're going to ask me pr- to promote, I'm going to do it. I want to do it my way. I'm not going to like sell tables. I'm not going to bring in like model girls or anything like that. Um, that's not the way I'm going to do it. If you yeah. want me to promote and kind of bring in people, I could, I'll bring in, you know, creatives and artists where they could connect once a week. They could just chill and kick it once a week and vibe with one another and build relationships. And ever since then, you know, it's attracted a good, a good crowd, good energy. We've had cast and directors, agents, managers, producers in the industry come um, and hang out. And now it's, it's online on zoom mm-hmm. where I co-host with my buddy, Rob Alicia. And we have all the attendees are, are part of the community because I believe in community and, and I believe in, uh, connection and being there for one another and helping one another out as we 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 rise in the industry um, because it's all about what's what what is for somebody isn't going to be for another everyone's got their own paths so you might as well bring as many people as you can and go about it together in the industry that's what the what the mixer is all about i love that man seriously and- it's such a great community vibe um and, you know, it doesn't feel like – because, you know, there are other sort of places that have this sort of thing. But a lot of times it's a lot of um, young actors who are looking to break in. And then there's, like, one um, – you know, the one industry guest that it feels more like uh, a showcase or, like, a Q&A session. But because there's people of all levels and of all walks of life, and it's not just 20 actors. Like you said, there are writers and producers and – and stuff like that. It feels like such a community and not a lecture. Yeah, yeah. And you that, know, and that, that's the vibe. That's just, I love that. that. It, that's yeah. why I, I seriously do. Like I, you know, I... thank you, bro. Yeah, <laughs> it, you know, it's that. But that's what it is, man. I mean, at the end of the day, dude, just being being around it for years, you know, in New York and in L.A. At the end of the day, we're all humans. No matter what your 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 title is, whether you're a showrunner or you're a network exec or you're an actor or you're a producer, you're a writer, we're all just humans at the end of the day doing what we love to do. I mean, that's the dream, right? So mm-hmm. you might as well just keep it, just keep it, have a conversation, just keep it on a human to human level, the connections there, you know, uh, there, there's no need for, 
for a hierarchy or any of that kind of egotistical type stuff. Yeah. There, there's really no need for that. I mean, when you could just have like, when you can make just great things and be a part of great things with great people and good people and have a great time doing it. That's, that's the dream. That's like, in my opinion, um, my, my idea of success has grown into just me being able to wake up doing what I love to do and create how I want to create on a daily basis with awesome individuals, create awesome projects with all good energy, good vibes around me and take care of uh, the people that I love. Honestly, I could talk to you for hours, but we're coming toward the end of our time. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's all um, good. So we just like to wrap up with a quick, uh, you know, rapid fire uh, question round. Um, and uh, yeah. So if you're ready, let's do it. Okay. I switched these questions up recently. So, <laughs> all right. TV or film? Film. Film or theater? Ah, theater. <laughs> Hero or villain? Hero. Drama or comedy? Drama. Uh, what's the worst survival job you've had? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, worst survival job was uh being a bar back at a place where I had to clean uh, and, and earmuffs for 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 listeners kind of disgusting sorry where i had to clean up urine and throw up uh Yikes. pretty consistently throughout the throughout the day yeah. i mean throughout throughout the week because <laughs> it was uh, a it, it was, i don't want to get into it but that was yeah it was pretty <laughs> that's pretty much it yeah uh what role did you have the most fun playing oh man biff loman recently death of a salesman i, I produced and acted in I co-produced and acted in Death of a Salesman uh, in 2019 last year at, in, in California. I played mm. Biff Lohman. It was a role of a lifetime. Um, I know these are supposed to be short answers, but the past, <laughs> the producing that and, and 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 acting in that story that Arthur Miller wrote is one that will go down. I mean, it's just, it just one of the highlights, and it was one of the best experiences of my career. Period. Mm. Uh, what is your book recommendation for a new actor? That's a good question. That that's the, see that's that, that can't be rapid fire. Like, uh, new actor book rep- recommendation: The Intent to Live, Larry Moss. But I would say get some get some um get some get some get some mindset book. Get some get some uh some psycho cybernetics by Doctor Maxwell Maltz. Get mm-hmm. get a little bit on the craft, but get a little bit on the mindset of yourself as a human because I feel like we got to grow as humans and artists. Um, and to be a better artist, you have to grow as a human and, and vice versa sometimes. Yeah. I've heard that the actor's way, I think that's what it's called is also yeah. a good one. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a really good book. Really good book. I reckon that boom actor's way. Uh, what TV show do you want to join the cast of right now? Hmm? Oh man. There's so many good TVs probably at the moment. Maisel. I love Maisel, mm. man. Um, Hollywood, if they do two, uh, which which they probably won't. I know Ryan Murphy didn't, but that was such a great show. Hollywood, uh, Ozark, such a such a great show. The yeah. acting is phenomenal. Um, it's just the error of of the, the time period of Maisel and Hollywood, and and the, and the story, and the, they're all good stories. But the story and the um and they're all well acted. But the drama, the tone, that dark. I love I love deep delving into the shadow, my mm-hmm. shadow shadow self, and really doing some good stuff. You know, Ozark. Gotcha. Uh, what's your favorite accent to do, and can we hear it? <laughs> oh man, I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm, te- I'm terrible at accents. <laughs> uh, 
I'm tell I'm tell let's see. Um If you don't have I'm one, ter- that's fine. <laughs> uh, dude, I'm terrible at accents. My favorite one to do it's tough because I'm I'm very, I'm not I'm not good at it. I, I'm more of if I can listen to it on YouTube, I can I can mock it. Mm-hmm. But uh but uh you know uh talking about Charlene at 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 Boss Harbor, we're gonna go to the bar, have a have a little <laughs> bit of uh uh, shock top and, and and talk about talk about Darlene and what it was in high school, um, you know, fucking Mr. Carter back in the day. That, <laughs> so so that's Boston. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how how good or whatever that was, but that's probably one I could, you know, yeah, I- imitate. Uh, what existing movie franchise do you want to join? Whew. Franchise. Mm. I um, if there was to, this is a little bit. It's not if there if there was to be another Todd Phillips Joker character study where it's dark driven and gritty. Mm. I'm all for that. Okay. But if but if I had to really honestly, I mean, who doesn't want to be a superhero? I would love to draw in the Marvel universe. I really would. <laughs> of course. You know, I, if there's a character there, superhero, I could I could I could play. Let's Marvel it up because yeah. they're 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 all dope. I can't I can't really. Yeah, they're all you know. It's just great. Just uh, great. It's a theater dream role. Theater dream role. Mm. Mm. Probably um, Kenneth Lonergan's. Oh, there's so many. Oh man, this is tough. Ah. Mm. Uh... Uh, dude, uh, probably probably lobby hero Kenneth Lonergan. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that one. Probably lobby hero Kenneth Lonergan. Michael Sarah did it, I believe, and um, mm-hmm. Chris Evans. Chris Evans, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that'd be a fun one if I had if I had to pick that. Uh, what's the role that got away? Role that got away, probably yeah. the audition I didn't get on Shades of Blue. Okay, that was that was so close. No, you know what? That or um, or uh, a villain on Mindhunter was the role that got away. Okay, but ultimately it wasn't meant to be. Gosh. <laughs> uh, what's your? So this is a multi-part question. Um, yeah. But we'll just do one at a time. A dream project genre. Oof. Dream. All right. Dream. Dream project genre would be a. Well, here's the thing. I got. I got something in the burner right now I'm writing called O'Johnny, mm. which is a 50s or early 60s um, love story between um, um, a Spanish woman and a greaser. Okay. Uh, but dream role genre would be, yeah, like 50s doo-wop. Like a period sing- romance? Per- period romance, 50s doo-wop singer or 50s fighter romance. But yeah, 50s yep. period romance. All right. So who would direct that? Who's your dream director for that project? Ooh, dude. Man. I mean, I worked with the guy, Scorsese. I would, <laughs> I would definitely say Martin Scorsese, but as far as the young guns coming up with that genre, who would be solid? I mean, so many people, honestly. But yeah. I think I would love, I would love, um, I would love to see – what what Alma Haral 
would love to do with it. She she did Honey Boy, Shia's mm. movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really beautiful. Really beautiful. And that was a story between father and son and Shia's movie. And that was like arguably one of my favorite films of last year. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, and who's your dream co-star in that project? Oh, man. There's so many. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of the. So, I'm trying to think of the piece, man. Uh If it, I mean, if it, if it's uh, Margot Robbie. Mm. Margot Robbie. If you get maybe, Scorsese, you'll get Margot Robbie for sure. <laughs> Margot Robbie. Maybe maybe Leonardo DiCaprio plays like my older brother or my uncle yeah. i don't even know <laughs> uh and in 10 words or less what advice would you give to a young actor believe in yourself be present be fearless go do it i don't know if that was 10 but that was 10 perfect <laughs> <laughs> And that is it for today's episode of Actors with Issues. Thank you so much to today's guest, Freddie Girolando, who you can follow on Instagram at Freddie Girolando and follow us at Actors with Issues. If you're interested in attending Freddie's weekly virtual creative mixers, you can follow the group on Instagram at The Creatives Mixer for updates. Thank you once again to our sponsor, Anchor. For all of your podcasting needs, download the free Anchor app or visit anchor.fm. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast and catch new episodes every Friday everywhere that podcasts are available, and be so kind as to rate and review wherever you are listening. Enjoy your weekend, everyone. Stay safe, and God bless. This is Juan Ayala, signing off. Bye.